0: Hello, and welcome to Love, Joy, and Languages, a podcast about loving languages and finding joy in learning them. This week, I have a very exciting episode for you. I sat down the other day with Nina Peacock. Nina is a U.S. American expat living abroad in Germany, and she has children who are attending the local schools and learning the community language, and she's learning the language alongside them. She also has experience doing this in Japan when her children were younger going to the preschool, but then they moved back to the U.S. and she had to find ways to keep Japanese in their home and keep learning it together. When they found out they were moving to Germany, she wanted to continue keeping Japanese in the house and also acquire German together as a family. Her experience is similar to mine in a lot of ways, but also very different We've both found different resources, we have different struggles and different challenges and different successes, because of course, all of us learn different and all of our children learn different. I had such a fun time sitting down with Nina for this chat today, and I'm really excited to share it with you. Whether you're a parent or not, I seriously believe that there is something in here for everyone. There's messages here to be gleaned for all types of language learners. So, without further ado, here is my interview with Nina Peacock. Welcome Nina to Love, Joy, and Languages. I am so happy to have you here and get this conversation going. You are probably the first adult I've talked to who is also an adult language learner raising children in a language that's not your native language, that you're not fluent in, and it's nice to have someone else to talk to about your experience, which is very different from mine, and I'm just excited to have you here, so welcome. Welcome.
1: Thanks so much for having me. I've been, uh, I was really excited when we connected
0: several months ago, and I'm really looking forward to speaking with you. To get started, tell us about yourself, tell our listeners who you are, where you live, where you're from, any brief history of your, your language journey and what brings you to the language learning community.
1: Okay. My name is Nina Peacock, and we live in Germany right now. But I grew up in Columbia, Maryland, and lived there for a really big portion of my life, probably until I was 22. Um, I did go to college for some of that in Washington, D.C. And after that, I lived in Colorado for a little while, lived in New York City. Um, When I met my husband, we lived in Alaska for a bit. But then we had an opportunity to move abroad to Germany, which was really exciting, After that, we lived in Japan for almost six years, then back to the U.S. for a bit, and now we're back in Germany, so we're excited to be back here.
0: So your first time in Germany, did you study the language then as well?
1: I wanted to. I came over to Germany thinking that I wasn't going to be a typical American, that I really wanted to learn German, and I was really excited about it, but I remember having a thought a couple months in. I remember actually standing at my kitchen window looking outside at our village and realizing I didn't have to learn German and I was really disappointed
0: by that. There's that expectation sometimes that immersion is is going to make you fluent it's going to be exactly what you need and then especially as English speakers we get here we're like oh everybody else speaks English I I have access to everything I need in English it's (laughs) the disappointment I understand the disappointment in that.
1: Yes, I did think it was going to be a more heavier immersion experience. Mm -hmm. But by the end of that time, we had some neighbors next to us. We lived in a village with a lot of senior people, Mm -hmm. and a lot of them didn't know a lot of English. Mm -hmm. So we ended up needing to use German and learning more than we expected which was great. It was nice to have those friendships with people to push
0: us a little bit. Yes. Mm -hmm. That's how we are now. We have, um, most of our neighbors are all retired. And especially when we first moved in, they all wanted to come talk to us and know about us. And my German was just very, very, very basic. I can do introductions where I'm from, how many kids we have, you know, we're going to the park. That's about all I could say, but it was just enough motivation to just, just keep going and at least have a little bit of interest saying, if I for want to learn the language, I have access to people who want to talk in the language, and that's always useful as well from Germany to Japan. so tell me about your language experience in Japan.
1: Well, we thought we'd be going to Japan, and it would be like Germany, oh, it's just another adventure. We were really up for it, but um Japan is so different from Europe. it's just a completely different culture. The East is so different and I remember driving in our part of Tokyo for the first time Mm. we had a friend take us out to run an errand and seeing all the signs in Japanese, because at least this was, this was the first time we'd had a smartphone. We didn't have smartphones the first time we lived in Germany. So I'd be doing a lot of Google translate at home, Mm -hmm. but then we get to Japan in German, in German you can type in the language yes. into Google Translate. In Japan, you don't know where to start. You, later on, we discovered apps that will take a photo and help you translate. Mm-hmm. But still overwhelming to drive around and see a bunch of signs in Japanese. I have no idea anything, what they mean, how to read it, how to even think about pronouncing it so it was very overwhelming at first and i wasn't really interested in japanese at first cuz it just seemed like too much mm-hmm. like too much of a puzzle but uh we ended up staying there for so long and i ended up really making an effort to get out into the japanese culture um meeting more people because my children went to a japanese preschool oh wow um, and so they were hearing and learning japanese and um they also had Japanese written in three different scripts and so they also had the first one the hiragana class in Mm -hmm. that preschool so they were learning as well so and I wanted to interact and have more um, interaction with the mothers there and so by the end it was a feeling of I don't want to leave Japan without knowing more Japanese Mm, and so by the end uh I was really interested in it, but what really sparked my interest in Japanese was after we came to the United States for a little while, um, I missed it so much and I found so much comfort
0: in studying Japanese. Yes, I understand that. that. you know, We went from Italy to Germany, so we didn't have a stint in the US in between, but I understand because I feel like I always had a connection with Italian because of my experiences in Italy. And I wanted to learn the language from the time we got there, but it was stressful and it's different trying to learn it when you're there and needing and wanting to communicate with people versus when you leave and you don't need it. And now you're learning it for passion. Now you're learning it because you have that cultural connection and a connection to the things you loved there and the food and the people. And it's a, it's a different experience. It's the same language and there's not the stress of the immersive experience, but you just, you want that connection and language is such a beautiful way to feel, to feel that connection. I think it's a really good mental health therapy when you want to travel and you can't travel or it's not convenient to travel or life gets in the way and, and you have that language connection. It's still something to tie you back to those things that you love there.
1: Yes. When we first came to Japan too, we missed Germany so much and we had tried everything we could to try to stay longer. And it was a difficult transition into Japanese culture. Mm -hmm. So I did spend a lot of time learning German and French at that time because I just, I missed, I missed it as well. Did you, had you studied French before then? Yes. So I studied French in high school and I probably took middle school to
0: high school. And I probably mm-hmm. took about four years of it. Did you get opportunities to speak French when you were in Germany the first time traveling and stuff?
1: I did have opportunities. One of our neighbors,
0: our neighbor's son-in-law was French.
1: Oh, neat. But, um, he had such the German, um, they call it like a country accent, mm, like mm-hmm. the Ronald accent. Um, it was difficult to understand him And I think so many of us have experiences where we study a language in school, Mm -hmm. but we're not able to speak it and understand it later.
0: Yeah.
1: And it was it's that kind of situation for me with French. I can read it well, but hearing it and speaking it, I don't, I need more experience. So I didn't really interact with them much in French. But when I visit France, I can have those kind of interactions at a store, at a
0: restaurant. Right. The stuff that makes travel just a little bit. I don't want to say more interesting, but it, it's a different experience when you're speaking a language, even if it's just ordering food, it's a different experience traveling and being able to order your food in the language than it is going and pointing or asking if they speak English or just assuming they speak English. Uh, I think it really enhances that that travel experience too. I think so too. It's a little more, um, it's a little less stressful. For mm, definitely. Let's transition into talking about the kids and parenting because you have the experience of your kids being in the Japanese school and learning some of the language alongside them. Then you went back to the U S for a couple of years. And then now in Germany, where your kids are going to the local German school, correct? That's right. And then you're learning the language with them as well. So we could probably dig into this for a really long time, but <laughs> yes. so give me an overview. How, how old were your children in Japan? How old are they now? Let's just start there. Cause I now have a million questions for you. I have three children now. Um,
1: they are ages nine, seven, and two. And um, one was born in Germany, our first time here. The other one was born while we lived in Japan. And the last one was born in the United States. Okay, oh, that's interesting. Um, yeah, three different countries. <laughs> and so uh, my oldest two are elementary school age. Mm-hmm. But when we lived in Japan, they were the right ages for preschool and nothing more. So Mm -hmm. my oldest one started Japanese preschool when she was three. And then she finished out those preschool years. The Japanese school year goes from April to March. Mm -hmm. So she finished three years of preschool. And if we had stayed, she would have been able to continue on to the Japanese elementary school level. Okay. So they start, they start kindergarten, just like Americans when Mm -hmm. they're six, uh, just the school year
0: starts a little, a little later because they start in April. So you had one in preschool in Japan Mm -hmm. and one that was born in Japan. So when Mm -hmm. you all moved back to the US, did you try to maintain your Japanese or keep learning it yourself and then also with your daughter?
1: So when we came to the United States, you know, um, it's interesting when we lived in Japan and my children went to Japanese school, I thought, oh, this is gonna be such a great opportunity for them. They're going to learn Japanese, um, you know, they'll be set for life. And then we get to the United States and it's like, duh, they're not set for life in Japanese. There's so much more to learn. They mm-hmm. only know one of the Japanese alphabets. They don't know any of the kanji or the other ones. And also you have to continue speaking and using a language. Otherwise you're going to forget it. And so it was a lot of sadness and disappointment when yes. we came to the United States with that expectation of seems silly now. But that expectation of, oh, we're gonna, you're gonna be set for life in Japanese. No, you need to continue. And so yes. immediately, I was, even before we left Japan, I was looking for ways for them to continue learning. We had gotten some Japanese workbooks that mm-hmm. we brought from Japan for them to use. And I had also found a Saturday school where we lived. Oh, wow. But unfortunately, they didn't accept my daughters, because I wasn't fluent in Japanese. It was more for Japanese families that would spend time in the United States and then go back to Japan. So they didn't miss out on that education. Um, So I was, I was immediately looking for ways for us to continue Japanese because it was important to me and I liked it, loved it and enjoyed learning it. And I wanted, I didn't want them to lose it.
0: So did you, were you able to find resources and motivation for keeping some Japanese. And then when you transitioned to Germany, what did your language transition look like then?
1: So at first it was a little bit of struggle in the US to try to figure out what we should be doing. And Mm -hmm. I looked at other schools and language programs. There wasn't really, I couldn't really find a great tutor in our area. We had a lot of Japanese resources that I was using. So I discovered that there are Japanese programs that you can just watch on YouTube kids programs mm-hmm. like nursery songs and stuff and that was really fun for my kids because it was all the songs they remembered from preschool.
0: Oh nice. So,
1: yes, yeah, so we started having some Japanese time every day just listening or watching some Japanese. Um we used the workbooks that I had brought. And then um, we'd also try to play some games and stuff, just make up what we had from the Japanese, um, we had some hiragana toys and stuff Mm -hmm. that we up using and just learning vocabulary from them. And um, I ended up finding a tutor online who would have a little session with my girls once a week, Mm -hmm. but it was, it's quite expensive to do that. Oh, yes. And so... Um, this teacher was very good, and actually, up until actually, we still use her. I've taken a break now so that we can focus on German, but mm-hmm. we'll go back to her. She has children similar age, and she had experience teaching children, so that really helped keep us going,
0: yeah, during your time back in the u s whenever you don't have any sort of the immersive experience there and you don't have the community support did you did you find? That your kids had particular preferences for one thing over another, because like my daughter, she does not like online anything. And of course, during COVID we found italki and I found her an Italian tutor so that she could get more of the language, even though she was doing online school with her class then it it wasn't enough, or at least I didn't think it was going to be enough. And so we found an online tutor and I'm sure it has a lot to do with just COVID times and having to do all school online. But that gave her the tutor was amazing, but it gave her a negative experience with online tutoring and she just she will not she's and she's old enough now to tell me I don't want to tutor online mom. Like, did you find any Mm -hmm. of those preferences for your kids where you have to work through what you want for them and the things that you know can work versus what they are willing to do or what they actually want to do? This was our first
1: time doing school. We were we decided to homeschool Mm -hmm. in the US even before uh coronavirus. Mm -hmm. So this I just incorporated the Japanese lessons as part of our homeschool and it was this is what we're doing. Mm -hmm. So I didn't get a whole lot of resistance about it. And also this teacher really became a friend to my daughters and they um they started enjoying speaking with her Mm -hmm. and 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 participating in the lesson. Sometimes there'd be a little there'd be a little oh I don't know I don't want to do this at this time but it was more because they'd be missing playtime and yeah, and once it started, they were, they found it enjoyable. I don't think we have an aversion
0: to online learning, um, but I am glad that they can attend a school now. Yes. So yeah. tell me about that transition then. So your transition from the U.S. doing homeschool and incorporating Japanese there to Germany. Did you all decide from the beginning that they were going to go to German schools? And did you all start working on German before you came? Or was it was it otherwise
1: well um one thing i haven't talked about yet in the united states is that we found a program called talkbox.mom mm, mm-hmm. um i think i was just scrolling through it like i think i just found a facebook ad for it and thought it sounded perfect so when we couldn't get into the japanese school i was really disappointed and my younger daughter at the time was 4 and I thought, what am I going to do to teach her Japanese and give her that immersive experience? Because I can't sit down with her and give her lessons. You know, right. she's she's just barely learning to read and write. I can't teach her Japanese grammar mm-hmm. or anything like that. And I, I immediately thought, I'm going to
0: have to learn Japanese um, in order to keep it going for them. Mm, and then but, there's that pressure. And I, and I have to learn it fast because I need to be fluent enough to be able to talk it at home.
1: Yes. And I felt like I was totally failing in that because I couldn't learn it so quickly. And I, and that, that was also a journey for me. What is the best way for me to learn Japanese right. so that I can speak it at home with them. And so this program, talkbox.mom, when I saw the ad for it, it was so perfect because in talkbox.mom, you start speaking from day one, you start speaking the language that you want to learn. hmm and just using it at home, so you meet, you start from the very beginning in your kitchen, tell, asking your kids if you want to have a snack, and then the kids learning to say what they want to eat. And so I was so excited that we'd immediately be using it and speaking at home, without having to um, get through all of that grammar and learning yes. in order to speak it.
0: And it sounds like um, it's it's very pointed. To actual day-to-day interactions that you're going to be having with your kids instead of learning all the colors and then all the animals and then all the numbers, you're actually using full sentences from the beginning together and then probably mastering them together before you move on to to whatever the next set of vocabulary is. Is that right?
1: Yes, exactly. And that's what we were doing before that. We were learning Mm -hmm. the numbers. And the animals, and the because I thought that's what you started with with kids. Yeah. Um, Yeah. But we were learning sentences like, Are you hungry? Uh, What would you like to eat? And the kids saying, Can I have a banana, please? Can I have an apple, please? All in Japanese. So that's so cool. Yeah. So it really fits in well with families. And then um, you know, once you get out of the kitchen themes, so each lesson, each um, theme comes in a box. So the first mm-hmm. box is a kitchen box. And the second one is the actions and rooms box where you're learning jumping. You literally learn jump over the lava in uh, your language. Things that kids and, do.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's super wow. fun.
1: And everything comes with games that you play along mm-hmm. with once you learn. And so it's really tailored to families, to parents. Um, moms and dads that want to interact with their kids and teach their kids the language at the same time.
0: So I have to ask then the the Japanese version of TalkBox. Are you learning the script at the same time? Does it have both the the romanization and also the script? Yes, it does. So all the
1: all the signs and prompts that we get, like label mm-hmm. cards. So they're all in the kanji and katakana and hiragana, and it's also in the romanji written out in the roman letters okay so okay you can see it you can look you look at how it's written in japanese and then you can see it phonetically um and then you everything has native speaker audio uh-huh. so then you listen to how to say it um but we're not going so far as to learn those japanese scripts and the kanji right um, that comes over yeah interesting
0: you all were already using TalkBox.Mom in the U.S. to keep Japanese in your house, and then you learned you were moving to Germany. So did you just continue using it in German now?
1: Yes, we were using TalkBox.Mom to learn Japanese. And then when we found out that we were moving to Germany, it was great because I already had that foundation of using TalkBox.Mom. So immediately I knew, oh, now we can do this in German too. So I went ahead and ordered a couple of TalkBox.Mom boxes before our move, but I didn't open them until we got to Germany. But TalkBox.Mom also has an app with all of their phrases and work. So it was really easy just to start learning a couple of things
0: during that transition time. Were your kids excited to get started or were they like, oh, we've got to do this all over again in another language?
1: I think there was a little bit of that feeling. Um, My older daughter is a little more hesitant she has perfectionist tendencies for her, there was a little bit of hesitation there, but because we know that they can learn Japanese, we've had success with that, so it was it was easy to say, "Oh, you've done Japanese, you can do this too." Yeah. you can do hard things
0: yeah yes, that's a really, really good way to show the kids motivation, show them little goals, you know prove to them that they've already done something. Let's use that that proof to do something else. is something I've got to work with my daughter on every single day too.
1: You know, what do you think is helpful with that? Is it like showing other kids who've done it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cause it's been helpful here um, at their German school to meet other children that are American and that speak German. Yes. So they, they see that it can be done.
0: Yeah, where we are, it's it's a bigger city, but we live in a tiny town on the outskirts of the city. So my kids are the only English-speaking kids in their schools, and and we don't have that. So when I find other people who are doing it or who have done it, like we go to the park and kids are coming from other towns around, I'm like, see, it's possible, um, but they don't have anyone in their immediate town. They're, they're the only one. So it's... Mm-hmm. I don't know that it's, it's unique how all the different experiences are, are different depending on where you are and even what school kids go to, um, it's such a different experience. So once you all got settled in Germany, you got a home and you had a few months before the kids started school, were you already using the talkbox.mom pretty much from the beginning of getting settled or did you wait until they started school? How did that transition using it with German look like?
1: I don't remember exactly when we opened the first box. We had to wait for our stuff to arrive and to pick a house and get settled. But as soon as we got to Germany, and probably a little bit before too, I was on Duolingo every day, just tap, tap, tap. Um, I was super motivated to learn as much as I could. So we had, my husband and I had a good foundation in German just from our last time living here. And so that was helpful too, that we already knew the accent a little bit. Um, We already knew a lot of words, how to get around, how to go to stores and all that, that sort of thing. And I think our kids were impressed with that. They saw mom and dad can speak German. And so they trusted us because Mm -hmm. they thought we already spoke it, even though
0: I was at a very basic level. (laughs) So, What does that look like now? You guys have been here for almost a year. Is your level Mm -hmm. and your children's level about the same now or have they surpassed you?
1: I think I can keep up with them. I can read their homework instructions and I can tell them what to do when they need help. And I'm still using translation too. I'm not hiding anything, mm-hmm. but they can they can speak with the correct accent and tones of the words much better than I can. They've yeah. picked that up really well. It was the same with Japanese too, where they were correcting me when I would say something even though the talkbox.mom has a native audio, so you hear it. I think that they've said it takes something like six months before you really develop the ability to hear the different sounds and then say them.
0: And even then you need time to develop to the same oh, yes. sounds correctly. Yes. And it's harder for adults. Yes. We're, yeah. we're retraining our tongues and our brains and our mouth movements. And the kids are just doing it from the beginning. It's, another fascinating thing about languages i have i have the same thing my daughter corrects my pronunciation with italian often and i have pretty i have pretty good italian pronunciation i'm not gonna lie but but she's still you know there's words that i've only read that i haven't heard and i pronounce them wrong for years and she's like mom that's not at all what it is how am i supposed to know i never heard the word And, and my son corrects my german pronunciation now too I think Americans
1: too, they see how things are written and then we want to pronounce them the English way. Yes. Like theater, or something like that. Yes. Yeah. Man, the number of times my daughter has corrected me with the S P or ST sounds. Yeah. Yes. I just I just tell her to do it in a kind way. I like I like that she corrects me, but sometimes she's a my younger daughter loves rules and loves following rules and loves to correct other people Mm. when they're not following the rules. Mm -hmm. She gets very frustrated with me when I'm not doing this correctly. So her training has just been, it's okay to correct mama, but do it in a nice way, do it in a polite way.
0: Yes. That's a really good transition into the next question that I have, which is, so you have a particular correcting style when someone else is correcting you. It sounds like that, that you're okay with corrections, but it can be um, a slap to the face whenever especially when a, when a child does it sometimes, but sometimes it's just too harsh. Have you noticed yourself having to change how you interact with your children and correcting them? I know you already have experience as a homeschooling mother. So maybe you've already taken the time to figure out that, but is it different with language learning? How each of your children wants to accept feedback in any way?
1: I'm definitely not the expert in German anymore. It's the teachers at the school that of are. Course. Yes. <laughs> so we definitely have arguments about is, you know, is this the right word? And I think coming from me, I like to give the impression of it's okay not to know or it's okay mm-hmm. to look it up mm-hmm. and see, because that fuels a love for learning and a curiosity and the ability to be okay with your mistakes. And we, you can make progress from that. So I think from my end, since I'm on a similar level with them, I'm no longer the authority for it. Mm, yeah. Um, But uh, I try to keep up and I just try to make it um, up like a peaceful and happy place for continuing our learning and our building of German. And then for them, it's teaching them respectfulness to a parent or another adult about making
0: corrections. Mm,
1: mm -hmm. And yeah, I think it's just part of learning how to speak with adults and being respectful. Yeah,
0: Yeah. that's a really, really excellent point. It's something that I think every parent tries to work on with their children, But for me, too, because, you know, my daughter can correct me or I can correct her and it's fun and and the mood is light. And then that mood can switch so fast if Mm -hmm. if I'm too harsh or, or she's too harsh with me or something like the mood switches and then all of a sudden the learning moment is lost. And now we're into emotions and those emotions are attached to the language. Those emotions are attached to the word or the grammar point that we were working on or the subject in school that we were working on, whatever we were doing at that time, that a negative emotion is, is attached to that in some way. And so being very aware of ourselves and our children's emotional state throughout the whole language process, whether it's learning through a resource or working on homework or something like that, is I've learned at least is one of the biggest challenges for me, because my daughter doesn't learn in the same way I do, and she doesn't want corrections really at all. She's very, a very, very, very sensitive kid. And she just wants to just do it all and make all the mistakes and be okay with it. And I've, I've had a hard time respecting that in her, then that shows her a lack of respect for me. And so working through that, not really a power struggle necessarily, but more a personality struggle has been a really big challenge. Are there any other major struggles in the parenting aspect of being an expat who doesn't speak the language fluently and at the same time sharing it with your kids in the home while they're also learning it?
1: Like I can give a confession here. When we were learning Japanese at home, I was more of a drill sergeant mama. Just, Mm. you know, this is our Japanese time. We're going to do it till it's done. We're going to learn all of these phrases. We're going to, you know, practice for an hour, you know, and just... Pushing the girls through it, and uh, Talkbox Mom definitely says, "Don't do that." You know, incorporate these naturally, make it fun for mm-hmm. your kids so that they enjoy learning language learning. And I think you just spoke to that too about how, if it's negative, then it becomes that learning this foreign language is negative, mm-hmm. and so they don't they don't want that time or that subject is negative or that word is difficult, and they don't want to come back to it. Yeah. Um, I kept hearing the same things from talkbox.mom about making language learning approachable, fun, easy, not stressful for your kids. Mm -hmm. And I ignored some of that at first, thinking we don't need that.
0: (laughs) I know what I'm I'm doing
1: here. (laughs) That's right. (laughs) But once I changed my mindset about that and started being open to them, they have lives um, once a week. And one of the themes of one of the lives was, Are your kids not enjoying language learning? It could be your fault.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's the message I need to hear In the nicest way
1: possible. (laughs) (laughs) But it was helpful to see that. And then to just, as we intake more and more of the program, you know, Mm -hmm. you're observing more and more of their methods. Mm -hmm. And so now I finally see the fruits of what they're saying. From the beginning
0: so what's um, an example maybe of something that Troll sergeant nina did that <laughs> Talkbox nina doesn't do
1: well here's an example from their planner they have a weekly review and they encourage you to um like go go through this with your family mm-hmm. once a week and so an example from here is um it's like a scale okay it's like a yeah. scale and so you do one side or the other. How far are we on this side of the scale or how far are we on the other side? Oh. So one side is expecting immediate perfection. The other side is giving our family time. Mm. And, so, and so you rate yourself, which side are we on? Um, another example is being upset with ourselves or celebrating any effort. And is this um,
0: from just the parenting perspective or are you encouraged to do this with your children? Do it with all the language learners in your family. Sit down okay. and fill this out. Mm-hmm. Oh, interesting. I like that yeah. because it keeps the mindfulness of ourselves, which is useful for every aspect of our lives, but especially as language learners, I found that I struggle the most myself when I'm not being mindful. I'm just focused on the mistakes. I'm just just charging through because it's something that I need to do and and feel pressure to do. Mm-hmm. But then taking that moment to what are we feeling? What are we doing? Refocus, That's brilliant. I love that.
1: I hear again and again from language learners. I'm not as far along as I thought I'd be, Mm -hmm. and just any anyone I hear to I've have said that we all have expectations for ourselves about how far we're going to get, and with your kids too. Absolutely, I want my kids to be here, to be here. Um, And then you didn't devote the time you thought you would, or something didn't, you couldn't memorize something as fast as you thought you would, and then you're disappointed. Yes, but
0: uh, it's great to celebrate all of those little wins. Absolutely. It's interesting, too, from thinking about comparisons with our children, I've compared my kids to where I thought they would be, and I've also compared my kids to what other people say their kids are doing, both in Italy and Germany. We've been here six months, and my kids are already fluent. We've been here a year, and my kids are talking all the time. And in Italy, especially, because I was so new to it, and my daughter was only four, I kept thinking, why, why is my daughter not talking more? Why is she making so many grammar mistakes when she'd been going to... the the preschool there for a year and other people are saying their kids are just out talking all the time. And, and it stressed me out even more. Like I'm obviously doing something wrong when we got here at the same time as these people and, and their kids, they're saying their kids are already fluent. And it's something that I've, it's really difficult to go back and say, one, maybe they aren't being completely honest or maybe just their definition of fluency for their children is different than my definition of fluency for a child. Maybe they're just more in tune with what their kids are doing. And they're like, my kids are, I don't know, they're okay with all the mistakes. And to them, that's still fluent, which to me at the time, I just wanted perfection, you know, and uh, and realizing that that those things are different and this the home dynamics, maybe they are being the drill sergeant parent and maybe their kids aren't happy, but they're fluent. And that's not the same as being happy and not fluent, you know? Just really getting real with myself and saying, one, I don't need to compare my kids to anyone else. And two, I'm not seeing the real picture of anyone else's life ever, especially as parents. We're never seeing what other people are really, really doing behind the scenes and what's really going on. So it's, it's not worth it. Plus kids' personalities. I mean, everything is different from kid to kid. Maybe yeah, one kid is super outgoing and so they're okay making all the mistakes and they just charge through a little bit faster and that's okay. My daughter's soaking it all in and making lifelong friendships just as valuable, but that's right. a really, really hard lesson to learn as a parent who's been told all her lives. Well, if you just go to the country, your kids will learn the language and it's it's mm-hmm. not that easy.
1: Yeah. I do question the other parents who just saying a couple months in, but I'm sure they're hearing your child learning it mm-hmm. and maybe speaking a little bit, being able to understand Yes, Um, And then calling that fluent, but what, I mean, what is fluency? Fluency is a journey, right? And in talkbox.mom, you're using things with fluency. You're not fluent in the language yet.
0: Does talkbox.mom have their own definition of that? Like what's the difference between learning with fluency and being fluent from your perspective or from their perspective?
1: Um, I haven't seen them define fluency in a language. Mm -hmm. But um, speaking with fluency means that you're using your foreign language in the context in which it should be used. You Mm -hmm. understand it Mm -hmm. and you're able to speak it. You're also able to hear it and perform actions based on on, uh, what you hear. I really like that.
0: Mm -hmm. I had a friend in Italy who after, I don't know, one year or so, she said her son was situationally fluent. And I really liked that particular definition because he can order food. He can play with his friends. He can do this and that. Can he go out and give a speech? No. Can he read a book and give a huge book report? No, but he's situationally fluent. And that, that was the first time I think I had a different idea of the word fluency, whether it mean being fluent in the language or using the language in a appropriate way, according to the situations, like you just said. Mm-hmm. And that, it helps bring the whole idea of language learning and how big it is down into little sections that are manageable.
1: And uh, you know, what are you using your language for? I think I saw something shared on an Instagram. It might have been in one of your stories. Someone had made a reel, a language teacher had made a reel that said, you're never going to be fluent. And he just started with that as you know the grab, but it was, you're always going to be learning your language and learning new words. And even in English, we're learning new words. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm reading a book or I'm reading something technical or I'm entering a subject matter that I haven't before, and I might
0: need to look something up. So you're always going to be on that journey. Mm -hmm. Realizing that for yourself as an adult language learner, does that help shape your views, your perspective of your children's language learning and goals that you may or may not have as a family that they may or may not have for themselves? How does that idea shape your all's language goals for your kids, especially?
1: Yeah, for for them, I think um, another way to say situationally fluent might be they are fluent for their learning level or for mm. their age level.
0: Yes, yeah. And
1: that's where we were in Japan, where my oldest was good enough for her age. And you were saying um, before about kids who have been to a foreign language school, and now they're hearing it, and they're understanding it and speaking it. Mm-hmm. She didn't speak it very much at all. She's not a big talker, so- you know, we couldn't ask her at home. Can you say this in Japanese? Can you do this in Japanese? She just didn't have the maturity level for it. Mm-hmm. Also, another thing that I've seen a lot of times with my kids and parents have told me this too, your kids or kids, they won't speak to you in the foreign language if they know that you're not a speaker of it. Yes. And so, <laughs> and so my kids would say in Japan, oh, she's English, mm. you know, mm-hmm. she's Japanese, she's English they recognize people by the language that they spoke. So, yes. they wouldn't perform for me and just speak Japanese because that person's English mama, that person, you know, doesn't is not Japanese. Oh yeah. And so, yeah. yeah. So, my own goals and my children's goals. I think for me, my dream for speaking foreign languages is to be able to participate in conversations smoothly, knowing most of the vocabulary without hesitating. To be able to go to a German, like a community festival in my village and sit down at a table with people speaking all German and understand and be able to respond and be able to connect with people Mm -hmm. smoothly. That would be my goal. And my goal is also, I would love to take some of the fluency level tests and maybe get up. I don't know how much I need to know to get up to a C1 level, but maybe get somewhere in the (laughs) Bs
0: and be able to
1: take some of those tests while we're living here. Yes, that's my goal. And for Japanese, I would like to be able to take some of the Japanese learning placement tests and maybe get up to the N4 or N3 level and then see how much I know from there and see if I need to go mm-hmm. much forward. People have told me that for the high, the highest levels are N2 and N1. And a lot of people have said you're not going to need to get that far unless you're doing something very um, much more deep in Japanese. So those are my goals, seeing that progress in those standardized tests. Mm-hmm. But for my kids, I think it is being able to succeed in school in German, Mm -hmm. a great goal for them and being able to communicate with other German kids and make those connections at the same level. I'm making connections with adults and they can make connections with kids.
0: Yes. Mm -hmm. Has your definition of succeeding in school changed? or, or I mean, you may have always had a, a very realistic outlook of, success, of the definition of success for your kids. It's funny,
1: they, I don't think my kids have ever been in a school where they've actually received grades. Mm, mm-hmm. um, they, so the preschool, of course, there's no grades. And then they had a, that bonus hiragana class a couple days after school, and the, that wasn't graded. It was just learning. Mm-hmm. And they would bring home the work of how they were writing. And then in homeschool, of course, we didn't have grades, so we were just working on you know different subjects, memorizing things, mm-hmm. math, reading, and that success was just measured in our ability to do it, to get through our math lessons and do those successfully, to um, you know be able to pick up a storybook and read it yourself, to be able to recite something that we've memorized, um, including Japanese. Mm-hmm. So they never received grades there. And then here in Germany, I haven't seen anything of home with a grade. <laughs> and, you know, they have those parent-teacher conferences once a year in February. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. it was so fast with her teacher. Her teacher wasn't worried at all. That's good. She talked about um, my daughter's, my oldest daughter's um, strengths with, she has a real kind of artistic mind. Mm-hmm, so she mine too. That, and just how she was, happy about how she was developing and she said the more german you can do the better and she she this teacher has learned english from watching tv mm-hmm. so she said if you know have have autumn watch shows right in german and just as much exposure as we can and i've shown her talkbox to mom, that mom uh-huh. too about what we're doing and she's excited about it she thinks it's great that we're mm-hmm. using it to talk to learn german at home
0: yes i like yeah. this relationship with the teacher too because at least for me, I feel like I see almost a different child at home than the teacher see. And, you know, obviously our kids are more comfortable at home with us. And so the teacher may not always see that and having that communication and showing them this is exactly what we're doing. And then the teacher can, you know, just support each other in the best way for the kids is, is really, really good. There's a goals now for where we want the, our kids to be with German. Mm-hmm. But then
1: I also think too, down the road into adulthood, what are my goals for them do i want them to be able to speak german and japanese down the road and it's a question i can't answer yet i would love for them to be able to be to be able to engage in conversations mm-hmm. and know the grammar and pass tests as they become adults but it's um it's a conversation i'm going to have to have with them they need to be yes. motivated to do it yes but i want to encourage them too i don't want them to just give it up when we leave germany i want them to continue I have a friend who, um, put her boys into German school when they were middle school age, and now they are in college and they are both able to pass the fluency tests and they're going to school in Zurich and at, you know, they're studying, they're not studying German, they're studying engineering. Wow. Uh, and I know at least one of them is, and you know, he's at all German school and they had to pass those German mm-hmm. exams in order to get in. So I don't know if we'll be on that high of a level but it's really cool for me to think that we could be.
0: Yes, and that's yeah. that's the good kid comparison that you think of this this child this this young person has done this and they started later in life than my kids like it's doable. It's doable. And mm-hmm. it took me a long time to realize that eventually our kids get old enough that they have to start making their own goals and we can guide them in the process. And that's as far as it can go. They'll decide where they go. And so I would love for my kids to keep Italian. I would love for my kids to keep German. German is is their family heritage language, not mine, but on my husband's side, even though he doesn't speak it. And so it's it's important to me. And whether it becomes important to them will eventually be up to them. So as long as we're introducing them to languages and giving them this life where they understand what it means to speak another language, what it means to be able to communicate with people who don't speak your language. I mean, my son says he wants to learn Portuguese and French for, I have no idea what reason. He just, he was four and he was like, I want to speak French, mom. I said, okay. And that's, I'm like, okay, it doesn't matter what language they choose as long as they want to keep communicating with people all over the world. Like that's, that's gotta be my goal. Mm -hmm. Otherwise I'm really going to lose sight and just force it. And then they really won't want to.
1: Mm -hmm. There's a time when your kids and your parents force something upon you and you don't like it, but then you're grateful for it when you're older, Mm -hmm. like, piano, you know, Uh, I hated those piano lessons, but I, I'm so grateful I can play the piano now. Yes. So I think we need to work through that time period, whenever that is of when it becomes difficult, you know, and then just keep going while they're here, living with me in this household. Mm -hmm. And then when they get to a certain age, they can make that decision to continue or not. And hopefully they'll be grateful for all the time that we put in.
0: And one of the benefits I think of living as expats too, is that they're going to have the personal connections. It's not just a language that's obscure out there. They know people who speak it. They have experience and memories in the language, the food and the culture and everything that they're doing here is just, it's another connection to the language that is more likely to to keep their interest whenever they're no longer living in Germany.
1: That's right. I hope that my oldest daughter, especially, still has a connection to Japan and Japanese because she did so well in her Japanese yochin. It was just such a great school for her that fit her personality, that really let her grow. And, and they gave a lot of care for her. And we talked about earlier in the conversation how I thought she'd be set for life. Yes. <laughs> for yes. three years in Japanese. <laughs> And I don't want her to think back at it like, oh, you know, I spoke Japanese at that time and be disappointed Mm -hmm. that she doesn't know more. So
0: I hope it becomes something for her later that fuels her, her love for
1: Japanese.
0: Yeah. That's so similar to my daughter's experience with Italian because she really doesn't want to lose her Italian. We moved to Italy when she was four, we moved away when she was eight, and she has friends that she went to school with for the entire four years, her best friends, and so she really has that connection and those memories, and and she calls Italy home, because that's where she feels like, you know, she's nine now, but that's where she feels like she grew up the most, but I had to realize, too, when we moved that it's not my responsibility to make her fluent, to force her into fluency, because she wants to learn the language and keep it, but she doesn't want to study, and I get that now. With COVID and moving and new language, everything is stressful, so all I have to do is keep that spark with her, provide opportunities for her to speak, trying to have video chats with her friends back in Italy and stuff. It's just my job to keep keep the spark going and support her in her goals, show her how to reach her goals without forcing her.
1: I think that's a lot of what my mom friend who who had these boys that are now mm-hmm. uh, going to a German college, German speaking college, I think that's a lot of what she did. I remember her boys talking to their friends back in Germany and having phone calls with them. Mm-hmm. And so she must've provided ways for them to continue
0: learning German too. Right. So your girls are nine and seven. Are you all working on English reading and writing at home? We definitely do reading, in, in
1: reading English books, going to the library. I'm not doing any more lessons at home about English or reading, but it's also because my kids are so young right. that They're not really old enough for that yet. Mm -hmm. Now there is um, a homeschool program here in Germany with Americans that we're going to try out next year Mm -hmm. after German school meets and only for my oldest daughter. So she'll be nine going into 10 next school year. And so in this homeschool program, you start getting exposed to English grammar and grammar Mm -hmm. rules, um, doing a lot of writing. When my girls were homeschooling in the United States, they were memorizing a lot of English language facts, like how to conjugate unusual verbs and definitions of a noun, those sorts of things. So that foundation plays into this next level of learning. Mm -hmm. And so we're going to try it one day a week after German school and see how it goes. And if it's too much, then we'll back off from it. Mm
0: Mm-hmm. something you said whenever you said um, that they're not old enough for that yet is something that i've it reminded me of something else that i do without even thinking about it sometimes when my daughter is working on german grammar she doesn't know english grammar like you said in that way if she knows what a noun is and a verb is because she's learned it in italian then she learned that in german so i just point out how it's the same in english and because her spoken english is you know fluent is she can say, oh, okay, that does make sense. I don't have to say this is the subject and this is the object and this is the verb because on that level, she doesn't understand, but she understands, yes, when I say it in English, this is the way I say it. So just learning those grammar things in the two languages alongside each other. And every, of course, I can still throw in Italian too. Um, She had another example yesterday of she had to pick out the verb, but it was a um, simple past or simple present. I can't remember what it is, but where it has the participle, like I have been, I have gone. And she's like, but there's two verbs here, mom, I don't understand. And I said, oh, yeah, it's the same in Italian. We would say, I have eaten, o mangiato, um, ich habe gegessen. It's the same thing. And she's like, oh, okay, that makes sense. It's an interesting way to, to support their grammar without teaching grammar just by giving those examples in the languages that they understand. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
1: I think I've done the exact same thing. So I think it's just natural mm-hmm. that you were explaining it with an example that they already know for comparison. we we just came across conjugation the other day one of my daughters had started conjugating some verbs in class so then I was able to say see this is what I was saying where you say it a different way you say it different ways in English depending on who's saying it Mm -hmm. and um and then and then the verb changes and they're still totally not clear on okay this one's a verb but the action changes yes yes the
0: action word changes and then you get abstract yeah. because I learned verbs by saying, these are the action words. And then it just kind of all made sense that even some verbs that aren't actions, like it just made sense at that point in my U.S. American education. And my daughter, I introduced him that way. And so we had a verb that was like Heisen, so to, to be called something. And she was like, but that's not an action, mom. I said, ah, oh, crap. <laughs> Let me explain <laughs> it a different way. Go to Google. What is a verb? And explain that it's not just movement. That There's other things to right. verbs.
1: <laughs> mm-hmm. I had jotted down a note here while you were speaking, like myself getting better gram- with grammar too, you know, as they're learning these things. And I'm looking forward to learning along with them as they learn more about English grammar and then using it, to see how it's used in German, you know, because German has different declensions that have yes. to go before direct objects, indirect objects. And I'm just learning all about all what that is mm-hmm. even even how to recognize a direct object and an indirect object I still get confused yes so and you brought up a point too when you were just talking about using one language to teach another so natural to use our mother language English to explain German but you can also use Italian to mm-hmm. explain German and I've seen other talkbox.moms do that parents who are learning multiple languages they'll use their first foreign language they learn to explain the next one
0: that they're learning and then, so you have an opportunity there to use it again. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. There's some things that do make more sense in Italian for me than English, as compared to German. You know, we think of German and English being more similar, and and they are. But like yesterday, there she had a sentence that had a, a genitive case in it, and I only understand that case by recognition because I just learned the basics, and so it had the the des in it. And in English, that it doesn't really quite translate in the same as it does in Italian. Because in Italian, I can say the daughter of this person. And that's that's a very natural way to say it. In English, if I say the daughter of Heidi, she's gonna say, mm, you mean Heidi's daughter? Because it's just the more natural way that that we speak anyway in our home. So whenever I came to this Guinness case, she was like, um, that's not a dare to your das mom. And I said, Ah, here we go. It's the same as saying the daughter of you know and i said it in italian she said oh okay that makes sense so having that other language even if it's just the basic grammar stuff being able to pull from different experiences yeah it it yeah. makes it a lot easier mm-hmm. and then you have opportunities to
1: use more than one foreign language mm-hmm. again. and it, yes. yeah
0: yeah we that's love the exciting that. part
1: <laughs> um i would like to encourage parents just that you know it's not all rainbows and unicorns over here like we're like we're learning we're having a good time I try to keep the attitude positive but it there's always going to be bad attitudes that top pop up towards language learning Mm -hmm. and it's just an opportunity to teach your kids how to deal with that attitude and move past it
0: yes Um, I think that's something uh, that needs to be normalized for yeah for Mm -hmm. expat parent any parent but expat parents Mm -hmm. because we think It's like you said, they're going to be set for life. We're going to go and they're going to learn it in school. And I'm, you know, we don't really think of what all we need to do at home to support that, whether Mm -hmm. we're speaking the language at home with them, learning it with them or not, you can still support your children in the local schools without learning the language. I have many friends who do that and finding out the right balance for you is, is important. But knowing that every, every family struggles with it, there's always going to be power struggles and language struggles Mm -hmm. and normalizing that is it, it, I think it could save it could save someone's experience by normalizing mm. the struggles because we we don't think other people struggle. And yeah,
1: some of the struggles I wrote down here were um, just having attitudes against learning because I think learning is just fun. Like I'll be yes. happy to learn about verb conjugation and memorize vocabulary lists and stuff. Especially as we grow more and more, mm-hmm. it's like it's growing and um, it's like snowballing. Just the more you learn, the more you want to learn that's how I'm feeling about German and Japanese, but they don't have the same attitude towards it. So, um, you know, making sure that we approach it with the appropriate attitudes and I have the appropriate attitude for them and teaching them respectful attitude towards me. And then um, there's frustrations that pop up about me with my terrible accent. (laughs) I think we've touched on that before. Yes. Um, Yeah, so getting over those humps. And then um, there's occasions that they don't want to engage with me because I 'm not on their level, mm-hmm. so they 'll engage with the Japanese tutor or they 'll engage you know with their friends, but then they want to do you know English mama with me mm-hmm. so not always, but we do have those those times and mm-hmm. just having the right attitude towards okay, maybe it's not a good idea to pressure German right now, but yes. we can do it we can do it later
0: yes, something you mm-hmm. said too about how you know for you learning the language is exciting, and it's the same for me. And for the kids, I I just had this epiphany as you were talking that I think there's something to this that that you and I are adults and we were probably first introduced as languages as a class subject in school. And while it seems like neither of us really learned languages in the school format, but it's still a subject, it's still a subject matter. And even living in the country, we're still, I don't know, if, if my mentality is that it's a subject that I learned, well, I love school. And so that's good for me. But if yes, Deutsch is a subject for my daughter in school, but not in the same way. She's learning as this life experience to be able to survive in the school. And I wonder how much that perspective changes between us kind of, you know, partitioning it off in our minds as a subject and our children needing it for school and needing it to communicate. I wonder how much, how much that changes the two different perspectives and, and their desire to want to do it at home.
1: Something you mentioned earlier, too, was how to support kids at home. And so in Japan, when my kids were in preschool, I didn't have to do anything at home. They were just learning from immersion in school. And there was no work that was coming home Mm -hmm. that I had to help them with. Right. But now every day there's German homework from German school. And so I see other English speaking parents hiring tutors for their kids or struggling with some of that work. They don't know how to help them with homework or they'll enroll them with the after-school care, Mm -hmm. which helps them with homework. So I'm fortunate that I have a great interest in learning German, and I've been able to help them so far with everything that comes home. But I'm wondering, as they get older, is the work going to get so hard that I can't help them with it? Are we going to have to hire someone to help them and and give them that level of
0: support? Mm -hmm. And just already preparing myself that it's not a failure if we need to do that. Yes. That was something I struggled with in Italy was I just wanted to be one step ahead of my daughter. If her teacher could just let me know what the homework is ahead of time. And and she couldn't, that wasn't the way they did things. And there were 20 plus students in the class. I understand, but all I wanted was like, if you tell me one week ahead of time, what you all are working on, I can Mm -hmm. study it myself and I can be better prepared to help her. And, and maybe that would have helped me in my struggles. Maybe it wouldn't have. We did end up hiring a tutor because they were getting very deep into grammar stuff. And I just needed a native speaker to bridge that gap between me being the English speaking mom, like you said, and her wanting to learn Italian, do Italian with an Italian speaker. Cause there is a different dynamic there. Like you said, even with homework, but yeah i just i just kept feeling like i'm just one step behind i'm just one step behind i can learn this but we are learning alongside our kids and like you said it's not a failure it's just we do what we have to do for their kids for our sanity and keep pushing forward whatever way makes the most sense for that dynamic and it's going to be different for every family that's right i think um having those realistic expectations for yourself
1: you know being mm. able to get over the i'm not as far along as i thought i'd be kind of yes. hump And just celebrating the progress instead. yes. And then, yeah, and also realizing there's different goals for your children and for yourself Mm -hmm. can really make that progress healthy. Yes. Healthy attitude towards
0: language learning. And when it comes to my daughter's homework right now, I have to separate my excitement over it from her need to do it because she'll she'll come home with something reading and I'm like oh let's go through this let's see what all we understand and what all we have to do and look at these big words and oh we can say we already know what this word means because we can break it down and she's like really mom It's just homework. I'm like, no, it's not. It's, it's this free opportunity. It's a free resource. (laughs) Like her homework (laughs) is a free resource for me to be able to do this and I get excited about it and and she doesn't. (laughs) And, And we're, we're experiencing this homework in two very, very different ways. And I can't force that excitement onto her. Um, she can hopefully see my excitement and eventually feel the same way, but she's she's not going to feel that about her homework. And I felt that way about my homework as a kid too. i was such a nerd. I love schoolwork. So I, I always have. And, and she's just not that kind of kid and that's okay.
1: Yeah. I'm actually disappointed when my daughter's like, oh, I've already read my assignment for today and hmm. I didn't need help. Like, I'm like, every day if you guys need help just let me know and and I come over I love the opportunity yes yeah
0: I just want your homework for myself that's all (laughs) okay
1: my daughter's first grade reader is great I love reading it because I can understand most Mm -hmm. of the words and what I don't understand I look it up and it's not a ton to look up and I learn something every time
0: yeah so in all of your years of of multilingual parenting starting in Japan, going back to the US and now in Germany with your kids, do you have any proud multilingual parenting moment that just really sticks out in your mind?
1: Yes, just the other week my oldest daughter, we were wrapping up dinner, we're sitting around the table together and she said, "Mama, Autumn and Ava" we'll all speak German at the count of three. One, two, three. <laughs> and she just wanted us all to have a little bit of German speaking time together. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was so great. Great that she included me. Great that she's feeling confident and wants to practice at home and that she's having a joyful connection to the language. Yes. I think part of it is that she's made a lot of friends who speak German and they're all nice girls and boys. And so she has a positive connection to German now. And so that made me really happy. A couple other moments I've enjoyed. One time I got a text from my husband several months ago. He had just dropped off the girls at school and I was away from him and he had our son. And he said, Sharky just asked me for Ein Brezelbette. Oh, I love it. And he's two? (laughs) Yeah. Oh, that's So so cute. My son was with him alone. He had just dropped off the girls at school and then Sharky asked for a pretzel in German. And I had to admit, oh, you know, almost every day we go to the bakery and I get him a pretzel. <laughs> <laughs> but he has heard me ask for it so much yes. that he knew what it, how to say it. And now when we go into a bakery, he yells it out. Oh, I love know? it. Yeah. Um, so that is a great example of just how using it in the household, kids will pick it up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm.
0: I love this too, because, you know, your first, your first proud parenting moment, it's so easy to just be like, yeah, sure. Let's speak German and forget all the lessons gleaned from that. She is making connections. She included you. That was that's huge. She's, she's not Mm -hmm. just in you as English mommy. Now you're starting to make Mm -hmm. the transition to German speaking mom too, and wanting to make it a family connection thing. Everything about that is so beautiful. There's so much more to be excited about than just, Oh, my daughter wanted to speak German.
1: Yeah. Hopefully we come away with a great family experience here with those connections with the other people Mm -hmm. and and we can maintain it even after we go.
0: Yeah. So this has been such an amazing conversation for me, I think you're the first parent I've really talked to about learning the language alongside our kids in the country, and it's a very unique experience and everyone's is different and so I really enjoy your perspective and sharing everything that you all do. And I hope that we can continue to chat online ourselves between ourselves, but also I would love to have you back in, in a year or so and we can talk about how, how things have evolved over the next year for our kids, having finished a whole school year and what we're looking at for the next school year too. So where can our listeners find you online and connect with you as well?
1: Oh yeah. Thanks so much, Heidi. So um, I'm on Instagram and my Instagram handle is Nina K Peacock. Peacock really is my last name. (laughs) I'll put that in the show notes
0: too, so everyone can can see it.
1: And I am a brand ambassador for TalkBox.Mom, which means that every month I get a little promotional discount code and I always put it up there. And I'm not just doing it as an affiliate. I'm a brand ambassador because we use the program. We love it. We've seen the progress. It's a proven roadmap for learning languages at home with your family and I'm really happy to talk about it and chat about it all the time. So, your listeners, please, if you're interested in it, please go ahead, feel free to send me a PM about it. I'd be happy to talk about it. There's a coupon code for May, it's Nina25, N I N A25. And it gets you $25 off your first box order plus the phrase book. So, you both have to put both in your cart. And mm-hmm. um, the phrase book complements the box program. It has over seventeen hundred phrases in it that you can incorporate into your daily life um, with kids. Phrases oh, wow. like, so it's not just a dictionary. Writing. It's yeah, it's it's organized by subject, like okay. hand washing, or you know, even going to the bathroom or boogers. <laughs> That's funny. There is a section about boogers. so I don't need to show that to my son. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 no. Those are popular phrases. Yeah. So, and I have a new promotion up there every month and you can um, click on my highlights or even just the stories. And I like to talk about what we're doing at home with TalkBox. Awesome. Oh, there's a new product coming out mm-hmm. and it's a book that's going to have 10 different languages in it. So if, especially if you're a parent that's already learning multiple languages, you want to use them with your kids. They haven't revealed actually the title yet, mm-hmm. but I think it's going to be a nature walk with your kids where you speak different languages. And I'm super excited about it because it has German, it has Japanese. It also has French. So my daughter has shown some interest in learning some French too. So it's a great mm-hmm. way that we can start introducing mm-hmm. that. Um, it'd be great for, for teachers too. Definitely. Teachers seeing that.
0: Well, thank mm-hmm. you again, Nina. I'm, I'm so excited to have this chat and I'm really excited to, uh, to continue talking to you in the future as well. Thank you so much for your time and sharing your experience. Thanks for having me, Heidi. I so enjoyed talking to Nina today. I loved sharing experiences with someone else who's had a history similar to mine in language learning as an adult and sharing it with our children as expats. But we've also had very different experiences and we've dealt with challenges in different ways. And I love sharing these stories because it just shows that everyone's journey is unique and we can learn so much from each other. I hope you enjoyed this interview as much as I did, and I look forward to having more guests on the show in the near future as well. So that's all I have for this week, and until next time, ciao.